Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisisa. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Kisisa contains nine mitzvos. There are four positive mitzvos and five restrictions. Ouch. The biggest ouch that clearly we find in Parshas Kisisa is that of the sin of the golden calf and each and every year we stop and we ask ourselves that incredible question how how could it happen that 40 days after Har Sinai they unfortunately dance around the golden calf reciting those horrific words this is your God Israel who took you out of Egypt like what's going on here so clearly the Ramban tells us they were not looking for a substitute for God they were looking for a substitute for Moshe but still we need to understand really what is going on here so I would like to share with you a thought by Rav Nebensol Shlita, the Rav of uh, Yerushalayim, the Era Tika, and to connect it to the Haftorah of Parshas Kisisa, which is not usually read except during a leap year, because in the month of Adar, when there is but one Adar, we have the Arba Parshios, <coughs> the four special readings that we have in the month of Adar. Rav Nevenzel suggests a very powerful idea. After all, we know that in Bamidbar chapter 19, the Torah provides us with the <coughs> quintessential chok, which is that of the para aduma. And while on the one hand, a chok by definition means law without a reason, after and at the end of the chapter 19, Rashi brings the teaching of Rav Moshe Hadarshan, whereby he explains in detail how the Pura Aduma, the red heifer, comes to atone for the sin of the golden calf. And the famous teaching of our rabbis, Tobo Aim, let the mother come and clean up, forgive me, the schmutz of its child. So here too, Bnei Yisrael did a sin with a calf. Let the mother, the cow, the heifer come and atone for the uh, sin of its child. So at first glance, it's a little bit strange. Here's an animal, here's an animal. Let the bigger one atone for the smaller one. There's got to be something deeper here and a stronger connection between the calf and the cow. 
And Rev. Nevinsor suggests brilliantly the following idea. If I were to ask anyone, when does the sin of the golden calf begin, point to it, you're going to tell me that Moshe comes down, sees the Jewish people, unfortunately, not just involved in the golden calf, but dancing around the calf. At that point there, you would say, uh uh, there it is. There's the sin of the golden calf. And you certainly are not wrong. However, Rav Nevinsor suggests that it really starts earlier. Now, what does that mean? He says, <coughs> take, <coughs> excuse me, take a look at the end of Parshas Mishpatim. Moshe is about to ascend Har Sinai, so he says to the Zakanim and they are to communicate this to the rest of Klai Yisrael. I am go- going up, says Moshe, to Har Sinai. And this is in chapter 24 of Shemos. And this is Pasuk 14. Moshe says, V'hinei Aaron v'chur imochem Aaron and Chur are with you. Mibal dvarim should there be a problem, should there be a crisis, and you need direction, go to Aaron and Chur, and they will be with you, guide you in your moment of crisis. Sure enough, 40 days later, there is a crisis. They miscalculated. They counted the day that Moshe went up as day one, and we know that in Jewish law, a day begins on the previous night. Shabbos starts Friday evening, Friday night. Vahi Erev, Vahi Boker, Yom Echod. There was evening and morning, and that is the first day. The day starts on the previous night. So they were off by one day. So what do they do? They come to Aaron and Chur. So far, so good. But instead of listening to Aaron and Chur, Chur said to them, excuse me, what are you, crazy? So what do they do when they ask Aaron and Chur to make for them a, uh, a golden calf? So Chur says, what are you, crazy? And they kill Chur. And Aaron makes a calculation Oh my goodness, if I don't try to stall them and seemingly work with them to delay them, that hopefully Moshe will return in time. That was his intent. If I don't do that, they will kill me and they will have violated, as the Gemara teaches us in the beginning of Sanhedrin, that they would kill, God forbid, Kohen Vinavi. But the bottom line is that their sin begins with the rejection of authority. Ouch. What is the Pora Aduma? The Pora Aduma is just the opposite, namely that here we have a mitzvah, 
which we don't understand. We don't understand why a person who ostensibly on the surface did nothing less than something very positive. He's part or she is part of the Hever Kadisha, preparing the deceased for burial. They went to a funeral and they were under the same roof as the deceased. They did a mitzvah, kavod ames. <coughs> and yet, what happens? They become tamay. That's the first thing that we don't understand. But the next thing is, how does it work that the ash of the red heifer mixed with water provides atonement and provides purification for the individual who is Tomei. So the answer is we don't understand. So rather than not doing it, what is the para aduma, the acceptance of authority? Now we accept the authority of both the Torah and the many rabbinic halachos that are involved with the para aduma, the acceptance of authority. What is the theme of the Haftorah that we're going to read of Eliyahu Anavi on Hara Carmel? Unfortunately, at this time, and we don't sweep some of our very negative history under the rug, just the opposite. We are taught in the first book of Malachim, Kings, how unfortunately many of the kings in Israel were idolaters and enforced idolatry throughout the land. And so Elioa Navi, who comes to Achav, the wicked king, and his wife Izebel, and because of their idolatrous practices, he says there's going to be a famine in the land for three years. And sure enough, there is that famine. And you might, and Achav has his troops searching everywhere in every country for Elio Anavi. Where is Elio? By the way, a very quick aside, Elio Anavi is hiding in the desert. How does he sustain in the desert in a famine? There are no, come on, 7-Elevens in the, uh, <coughs> in the desert. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has a sense of humor. What does that mean? That literally from under the king's nose, every day a raven would go to the kitchen of Achav, because as the king, he always had food, even though the great majority of the people were Lo'alinu, starving. And every day they would make a care package for Eliyahu, the raven would take it and bring it into the desert under the king's nose. 
Okay, so Elio Anavi, to prove to the people that as the, they respond, Hashem Elokim, that there is no question, but there's but one God, he challenges 450 false prophets to come up to Hara Carmel. And there, each of them are to take a par, a bull, and to slaughter it and to bring down the fire from Shemayim. Now, even though this is against halacha, very fascinating, the Gemara in Sanhedrin teaches us that because Elio Hanavi was a proven prophet, therefore he was able to bring a korban outside the Beis HaMikdash when that is prohibited from Torah law. Now, if he would have said that law is gone and forgotten by the power within me of being a prophet, I am telling you that law doesn't apply, then Alpidin, we were to kill Elio Anavi. But he said, this is a Hora'ashah, a teaching for the moment, just for this day, to prove that the false prophets are just that, false prophets. And Elio Navi, as we're taught in Malachim Aleph, mimics them, makes fun of them, and says to them, come on, yell a little louder to your God. Maybe he's sleeping, maybe he's in the bathroom. And we know nothing does, and nothing happens. What happens next Mincha time, Elior Novi steps forward and not only is uh, he looking for fire, but digs 12 trenches and fills them with water and prays to Hashem, Aneni, answer me Hashem, Aneni, prove ultimately to the people that there is but one Hashem in Shemayim. And you know next, not a little match came down from heaven, but a heavenly fire comes down. Not only does it consume the meat on the Mizbeach, but it licks up and dries up all the water in the 12 trenches in the ground, showing, wow, this is truly an act of Hashem. What is this? <coughs> further acceptance of authority. And that is the theme of this Torah reading. That is the theme of the Parsh of the Haftorah, teaching us that we are to do just that, except because after all is said and done, it says further, right after, when we have the end of the Torah, Hashem Elokim, Hashem Elokim, which is the way we conclude <clears throat> the Elah every year on Yom Kippur, the Navi tells us after that, the land was quiet, meaning no idolatry for 40 years. What does that mean? Miracles, of course, are important. They help listen carefully, maintain us. However, ultimately, our survival is not based on miracles, as we say in the Mayrev, for people of Bnei for ultimately for non-Jews, 
miracles might be what they base their religion on, but ultimately we base our religion on the fact that all of us stood at Sinai, all of us heard the Ten Commandments, first two from Hashem and the next eight from Moshe, and therefore our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a personal one, not based on miracles that we are privileged to get whenever we need them, but our personal relationship is our connection to Hashem. Shabbat Shalom to all.